Good evening, and welcome once again to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. In a run-up to Christmas, we're taking a few sessions here to review various portions of the Christmas journey. Tonight, we want to consider the journey of Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We will look at both the physical and emotional travels of this couple. Uh, we know almost nothing specifically about them or their living arrangements in Nazareth. Uh, it seems obvious that their residences there were permanent enough that uh, they had become espoused to each other. We really don't have a term in our language or uh, a parallel in our customs for explaining this particular step in, in their path to marriage. The closest parallel that we would have would be engagement. Uh, Mary was settled enough there that uh, she returned after her probably lengthy visit with her cousin Elizabeth. We know that, Jesus, uh, that Joseph was later called a carpenter. Uh, we find that in Matthew 15 or 13, 55. Uh, we can't validate that he was engaged in that same trade at this time, though it's very likely that he was already uh, at least an apprentice in that trade. We don't know their ages at the time that they took this journey, nor any history about them prior to or separate from their appearance in Scripture. We do know that at the time of their journey to, Beth to Bethlehem, Mary was in the final stages of her pregnancy. Despite countless Christmas cards and all kinds of multiple artworks through the last 2,000 years, uh, we don't know whether Mary went on foot or rode some animal. Uh, the fact that Mary offered a purification offering designated for the poor, as seen in Luke 2.24 and authorized in Leviticus 12, uh, verses 6 through 8. That seems to indicate that uh, they may not have owned an animal for her to ride. Uh, donkeys were fairly expensive creatures. Uh, also, we need to keep in mind that in that day and in that place that the populace was much more used to walking everywhere they went than we are today, obviously. However they traveled, it was quite a journey to get from Bethlehem, or from Nazareth to Bethlehem. As the crow flies, just a straight shot, it would be about 70 miles through very mountainous country. Uh, but uh, that's about the 
same distance, maybe a little bit farther than from Newark to Baltimore. If the general custom from over uh, a little bit better than 30 years later was observed at that time, and I'm going to assume that it was, it would extend their trip to between 90 and 100 miles, and this is probably all on foot. The custom I refer to is bypassing Samaria by going through the Jordan River Valley. Although this route was longer, the lingering hostility between the Jews and Samaritans made the shorter way potentially more dangerous or at least uh, problematic. Because of Mary's condition, their travel time was probably at least a couple of days longer than the normal trip. As we shall see later, they may have counted that as a blessing. Here in Delaware, we're not much concerned with hills and mountains as in our travels, especially uh, as we drive from place to place. And Israel then was a very different situation than what we face now. Uh, here are some maps. Uh, map number one uh, shows us the beginning of the probable route that Joseph and Mary took on this journey. Now, Nazareth sets some 1,100 to 1,400 feet above sea level. Uh, for comparison, from the best I've been able to figure out, I-68, Interstate 68, reaches 1,270 feet as it cuts through Sidling Hill near Hancock, Maryland. So relatively close to the elevation of uh, Nazareth there for that cut through its sidling hill. And uh, then as you'll see in just a moment, uh, they had an extensive drop in elevation as they went down to the Jordan River Valley. Uh, now, map number two uh, shows us uh, by the time that they had traveled to the Jordan River Valley and followed to, to Jericho, they would have descended at that point to over 800 feet below sea level from 11 or 1200 up to 1400 feet above sea level to 800 feet below sea level. And then map number three uh, over tells, shows us that over the next 20 miles or so, they would climb back to an elevation of about 2,500 feet above sea level again. So actually going higher than Nazareth was above sea level by about a thousand feet or so. Uh, as you can see from uh, another perspective with map number four here, the next five miles to Bethlehem, uh, it, it was quite a, a, quite a lofty journey from uh, 
Jerusalem. It is quite a hike from Jericho to Jerusalem. And, and uh, the next five miles, on, in, as we're seeing here in uh, map number five, would be only relatively smooth. It was still hilly country, mountainous area, and then they would wind up with uh, eventually about the same level as Jerusalem. So uh, they went down to the valley, actually went lower as they traveled through the Jordan River Valley, and then made a real climb back up to Jerusalem. Matt Tatro, in helping me with the research, has pointed out uh, some of the complications of this physical journey due to the physiological changes that Mary would have experienced in the latter days of her pregnancy. The swollen feet, the loosening ligaments in preparation for delivery, and the perpetual fatigue of supplying energy for two. None of these things made a, a week or so of travel over rough and changing terrain any easier than it would have otherwise been. But difficult physically as this trip would be, there was surely a sense of relief for this couple as they prepared to leave what had become surely a very unpleasant situation. We don't really know when Joseph and Mary finalized all the legal and societal requirements for their marriage. We do know that even on their trip to Bethlehem, they were still in this state of espousal, not fully married. So, and since Mary was about to give birth, the situation in the community of Nazareth could not have been at all pleasant for them. This, this couple that had been chosen and blessed by God. But that very blessing put them in harm's way. Uh, I'm relatively certain that only the fact that Jesus, or that Joseph had not put Mary away by divorce, but continued to accept her. That was the thing that would stay the hand of the more radical elements of the community who would have gladly cast the first stone. Of course, that could not stop the gossip and uh, the catty remarks just loud enough to be heard in the market and at the village well. It's not hard to imagine that Mary may well have been an earlier version of the woman at the well in order to avoid the looks, the whispers, whenever she was in sync with the schedule of the rest of the community. That the story of the scandal in various versions survived 
all those years and, and spread beyond Galilee is, is pretty well established by the ad hominem attack against Jesus' parentage in John 8, 41, over 30 years later, when the Pharisees said, we be not born of fornication. Abraham is our father. Uh, and imagine the impact that this judgmental attitude of the community likely had on Joseph's business as well. You see, his staying with her casts a shadow over his reputation as well. Now, the scandal did not end with the, the marriage of the couple. Uh, neither the death or the ministry or the death of Jesus stopped the wagging tongue. In fact, in 1966, I attended a lecture at Rice University in Houston, Texas. The speaker that night was the then famous atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare. Some of the older members of the congregation may remember uh, things about Madeline Murray O'Hare. She was involved in a 1960 court case that led to the Supreme Court ruling that uh, officially sanctioned mandatory Bible reading in American public schools was unconstitutional. Yeah, that's, that's the same one. One thing she said that night was, if Mary and Joseph had had the pill, they wouldn't have needed to make up that story. Uh, I'm sure that there were some in Nazareth who were at least that vicious as well. So, how do you defend yourself when you are the victim of a miracle? Remember, a miracle is only a miracle when it could not have happened otherwise. With something of this magnitude, can you imagine even trying to explain it? Who would believe you if you did tell them what was going on? 2,000 years later, people, even some calling themselves Christians, doubt the story. Leaving this toxic environment, even for a few days, would be a relief in mind and spirit and ease of the emotional tension. Even this difficult journey was not without its benefits. On this trip, they had time to talk, to think, to pray, without, without having to ward off new pressures and new incidents. They couldn't change past hurts, but they could have time and space to come to terms 
with things that had already happened. It was common to travel in groups on the trip to Jerusalem, and the Jordan Valley route was a well-traveled road. If others had set out from Nazareth at the same time as Joseph and Mary, there was reason enough for them to begin to lag behind until they had found a distance of comfortable separation. Mary couldn't, just couldn't keep up, even if she wanted to. In a day when communication was slow and limited, and people from one of the village might not know what was going on in the, in the next town over, uh, with the, the strangers that would come upon them as they were traveling at a slower pace. Uh, that would be an easing of their mind when, when every question and every look was not loaded with accusation and disgust and distrust. The difference in rates of travel would ensure that a, a succession of new companions uh, would be traveling with them. The strangers would have seen only a young couple discomfited by the whims of a heartless pagan empire, forced to interrupt their lives with an arduous, dangerous journey at a most inopportune time. But every step away from Nazareth put one set of problems farther and farther behind them. Even the difficult climb from Jericho up to Jerusalem, where uh, every 38 feet of forward motion was accompanied by an extra foot of elevation for about 23 miles, was extra separation from wagging tongues and scornful looks. Now, though Bethlehem was the ancestral home of the house of David, that's the reason they were going there, this branch of the family had evidently been away so long that there were no longer close enough family ties to provide lodging for them in the interim. By the time they got to town, probably late in the day, all the room in the inn was taken. Now, they, they were not, as uh, some folks have uh, recently postulated in the last few years, they were not homeless. They were without accommodations. A few years back, uh, Barbara and I were traveling back to Oklahoma and stopped uh, near, I, I think it was Terre Haute, to get a room for the night. Now, when we stopped, we found out that they were holding a covered, covered bridge festival in that area, and all of the motels were full for miles and miles around.
So we could do nothing but travel on. And about an hour and a half down the road, we finally found a place with a room. We were not homeless, just without temporary shelter on a trip. By the time the wise men got there, this little family was in a house. You can find that in Matthew 2 and 11. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us whether Mary was already having contractions when they reached the village. But soon the child was born. And the joy of that event surely replaced much of the immediacy of the recent travels, travails, and taunts of those who would never understand what had happened about a year earlier. In the absolute fatigue of the moment, there were yet amazing events to unfold. But for now, Mary could just hold what she knew to be the evidence of God's miraculous power and the fulfillment of ancient promises. Rest, Mary. It will be many, many days before you have to face anyone from Nazareth again. Rest, Mary. Other adventures are just around the corner. Rest, Mary, while you can. The shepherds are on their way. Let's pray. Oh God, who came to live among us. Please use this story to open our understanding that your blessing that is not always equal either acceptance or comprehension by others. That being in the center of your will may be the reason for the difficulties we face. Lord, when we get a miracle or even an answered prayer, and it doesn't work out like that we thought it would. Help us that we still trust you and walk with you. If the way gets long and the climb gets hard, physically or emotionally, if our feet swell and our whole body gets weary, let us lean on you to the completion of the journey. When the most painful part comes at the end of our trials, help us to trust that you have joy on the other side of agony and that all will be well. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Tomorrow, we will be studying another aspect of the Christmas journey. We invite you to be with us. God bless you and we'll see you then.